hurts your eye like mushroom pizza pie. That's that's what it is. When the Lord seems to shine like you've seen segment prime. That's that's what it is. Smells will reek. Stinky, stinky, stink. Stinky, stinky, stink. Travelers, and welcome to another episode of Tales of Tavat, a Genshin Lore podcast. Last week, we discussed Allison Klee, and we're still stuck on who the heck Klee's dad is. But we're just happy to know that for now, Klee has the Knights of Favonius as her adopted family. This week, we'll be discussing Dottore, the second Fatui harbinger. Additionally, I want to remind travelers to visit TalesofTavat.com to see visual representations of the lore mentioned during today's podcast. Your guides have put them together for you to make things a little easier to understand. On our site, you can also find some awesome goodies, including artist spotlights from the community for each episode, wallpapers for download, and a way to check out some of our favorite Genshin merch. Finally, feel free to email us at talesofdevotpod at gmail.com to let us know what you think of this week's episode and what topics you'd like to see in the future. And just as a reminder to travelers, we are opening our mailbox right now, and we are taking all your theories, questions, and thoughts for a special mailbag episode we'll be doing toward the end of June. So please feel free to send them our way. That being said, let's jump into Dottore. I'm just going to put it out there right away. I hate him. He is my least favorite character in this entire game. I mean, he's even more evil than child. So I'm (laughs) glad that you have a boundary. (laughs) (laughs) Really evil. Like child is like, child's play compared to this guy mm-hmm. the pun oh my god yeah like Dottore is like hardcore like sociopath like the actual like model of a sociopath he scares me he scares me a lot i know like we've brought it up before but like just the fact that they've introduced this character that and we'll talk about who exactly he is in a second but the fact that they've introduced a character who's like an evil scientist slash like ditto and can be anybody and like impersonate people is so scary and makes me so fearful for some of my favorite characters lives yeah he's like uh like a creepy uh whopper flower impersonator <laughs> oh my god suspedo is detore you're going to break our friend finny here if you say this oh my maybe albedo is, is detore shut up no maybe finny maybe finny is detore <laughs> <laughs> maybe albedo is the og dottore albedo is the dottore in the prime of his life yes yes <laughs> he's about to burn down a tree oh my god albedo burned down the tree on dragon spine that gives us all our stuff it I wasn't mean... the curse it wasn't anyway no the answer is no anyway <laughs> for our travelers who don't know dottore is the second fatui harbinger so a quick refresher, the Fatui, I like to consider them like the KGB of Shiznaya. I don't know if that's like accurate or not, but... Yeah, I think so. I mean, you can kind of look at them as like, they're the mob. Yeah, the mob yeah. is a good one. Yeah, like KGB worked for the government and they work with Saritza. So yeah, they're either the KGB or the Sopranos, one or the other. <laughs> I mean, they're more <laughs> successful. 
their names are all Italian based. So, hey, maybe it's Sopranos actually might be a little bit closer. <laughs> a little closer. They are more successful than the KGB ever was. Piero is Tony Soprano. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. So... What does that make child? Well, I'm going to break him out of it, so it doesn't matter. The one who, like, tries to be, like, a screenwriter. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I forgot his name. (laughs) Sorry. I've never watched The Supreme. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) So we have the Fatui, who who are our, like, KGB mobsters, working for the Saritza, who is the Archon of Shesnaya. But within the Fatui, they have something called the Harbingers, and the Fatui Harbingers are the elite top dogs of the Fatui. We've met many of the Fatui Harbingers already, including La Senora, R.I.P., Child, Where Is He?, Scaramouche, Reborn, and we've also seen most of them in a Winter Night's Lotso, which was the video that came out showcasing Senora's funeral. So we have seen all them, and Dottore is number two. Dos. <laughs> dos Torre. Dos, dos, torre. dos Torre. I mean, it means <laughs> his power is almost that of like godlike. At least that's what it's been described as well he's to make himself a god he wants everybody actually to be on the same level as the gods but he's a pompous little jerk so he kind of wants to be like he's quite full of himself he's like i am good i am great eat my ass and the first time he ever experiments on trying to make a god of course he doesn't do it on himself right because god forbid he get hurt (laughs) yeah that sounds that sounds like a science well that we know well i mean i guess we would know because the gnosis is kind of run into that but one of dotori's special little tricks is the fact that there's many of him. He had split himself apart. Oh, God. He made segments of himself at different points of his life. So this way they all have a different perspective and a different view on the world because they were at that moment. They don't grow. They kind of apparently fought, fight a little bit. But with the one we meet is called the Omega. And along with, with all these like segmentations that he's kind of created. We don't know if he's done any experiments like on himself because he's so pompous. He probably is like, I'm not going to hurt my fake self. I'm, you know, going to do that to some poor unsuspecting child. (laughs) Kale. Yes. (laughs) Well, and like a hundred something other children. Yeah. (laughs) And the rest of the orphans of Tavad. He's probably the one killing all the parents and creating the orphans. Oh my god. I know. The House of Hearth was just created for him. Truly. But you did mention, Tiff, that a lot of his segments fight. And it's because they're all just, like, full of themselves trying to be the best, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're all pompous. They're all assholes. So they all think that they're the best ones. While we don't know exactly how many of them were out there, we do know from the Nahida archon quest that he does erase them quote unquote yeah (laughs) he trades at that for the electronosis now do we actually know if he got rid of them all i mean how do you really tell but like there is reference to like how like some of them were like no wait don't do it so i don't know if they're also like now is he like kind of got multiple personality disorder like are they all in there still or are they just totally gone they all just sucked back up his butthole no not (laughs) up the butthole we can't get through this uh, this this podcast without talking about a butt. <laughs> That's my goal. That's not my goal. just a butt, you... Tiffany. It's the butt, butt, butt hole. hole. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's what y'all keep me here for, right? <laughs> <laughs> More than that, y'all. Anyway, we love Al with with or without butthole. Lord. But we also love buttholes. Yeah, so. we do, we love, do love buttholes. <laughs> so 
within the Fatui, outside of being close friends with his segmentations, we can assume that Dottore has a close relationship with Piero, who invited him to join the Harbingers, but we also know that he is pretty close with Pantalone, aka the Regrader, and we know that mostly through Scaramouche, he has a voice line where he says something about anyone who would be so stupid as to hang out with the Doctor, aka Dottore, talking about Pantalone. I don't remember the exact voice line. I thought that was just the hive mind of the Genshin community because of all the fan art and then the smut of <laughs> Dotore and Pantalone. Well, it could have started as that and then Genshin was like, let's feed into this. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. They could have just fed us the, you know, glory. <laughs> And I mean, it would make sense, though, because like we mentioned before, the Harbingers, their names are all coming from the Commedia dell'arte, which is the Italian stock kind of play from way back when. But in that, Dottore and Pantalone are actually like a pair. They're like the Abbott and Costello. Which is interesting. Oh, Mm -hmm. interesting. Also, can we talk about the fact that his name means the doctor? I find that offensive as a Doctor Who fan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, so that goes directly back to the Commedia dell'arte because the whole part of it is because it's a comedy and Il Dottore in it is a juxtaposition. He's like this kind of, it's not like he's super schmarmy, but he's kind of this rotund, super like he drinks a lot, he smokes a lot, he, you know, sleeps around a lot, but he's a doctor. And that's kind of the juxtaposition that we would think of a doctor doing or taking the aspects of doing, which is the comedy of it. Right. And doesn't Dottore even find it ironic in the game? Mm-hmm. A little bit, because... When you think doctor, you're thinking someone who's doing something of good and also trying to save someone's life. And we see Dottore very much doing the exact opposite. Right. Yeah, he's more of a scientist. Absolutely. Like an evil scientist, mad scientist, not a doctor. (laughs) He might have a doctorate, but he is not a doctor. (laughs) Right. And the last really close known associate we do know for Dottore is Scaramouche. We know that when Scaramouche was first brought into the Harbingers and into the Fatui, that Dottore actually experimented on him and quote-unquote released the powers within, which seems to be his favorite thing to do to people, and gave him powers that like Scaramouche didn't even know he could have. And he also did a lot of work on Scaramouche after his numerous trips into the abyss. Right. So that's a close relation, whether it's good or bad, but you know. I mean, we're getting into like the history, but what's really interesting is this is, you know, after Dottore's whole trip to Tatarasuna, where he was pretending like using this disguise like as some other person. And Scaramouche had no idea that that was Dottore. And then then Dottore in turn was like, hey, Piero, there's this really interesting puppet. I think we should try to use this. And then Piero ends up recruiting Scaramouche later. And then Dottore is like, hey, Scaramouche, um, if you let me experiment with your puppet body for decades, I'll repay you by unsealing the power that A, sealed within you. And then he's like, okay. Like, I don't have anything else to do for decades. I'm a puppet. So he lets him experiment on his puppet body for that long. And then he unseals the power that A had sealed within him. And then after that, Scaramouche starts getting sent on missions down into the abyss. And he is fighting monster after monster. He ends up getting 
wounded multiple times and every time he gets wounded Dottore fixes him up like repairs his puppet body and makes little upgrades every time he does it which mm-hmm. ends up with Scaramouche becoming even more powerful than A originally designed him to be. Well, that's terrifying. Like she was kind of, well I mean okay so she she wasn't all that into him because he had us like kind of like presented almost like he had a soul like he cared about things but she makes mention of how strong he is too so imagine like a buffed version of him yeah like if a god is saying you know the strongest ones to be like oh this guy's really strong and then like he's now he's like you know supersized seems crazy yeah i could see that being something with gold too like if albedo has some power within oh no now i'm like (laughs) you brought that up by yourself no one else did that listen albedo's (laughs) just always on my mind okay (laughs) when we do these things i don't know what to tell you he records with me every time anyway (laughs) spiritually no i have the little stuffed animal the stuffed animal i have the little stuffed person Oh, that didn't sound much better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he is chalk. They should have made that out of like a bean bag, so this way it would have been full of like chalk. Little chalk beads. Oh mm. my god. Oh, uh, so and good. Every time you hit him, a little bit of dust comes out. <laughs> Just like when he comes. And you- <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I bring it back, y'all. This is totally off topic, but whenever I think of chalk, I just think, <laughs> and Brandon, please be with me on this one. I think of Fruits Basket when Yuki is talking with Machi and she's talking, Machi's like his girlfriend, kind of. Boo. Yeah, no, stop that. <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> A fresh box of chalk just stresses me out and causes me to panic. And he just breaks the piece of chalk for her. And then uh, swoon. He should have been with Toru. No, no. Anyway, let's jump in a little bit then to to Toru's life and times. You know, a year in review for him. (laughs) A couple hundred years in review. Yeah, so we're not a hundred percent sure of when he was born if he was even born <laughs> he emerged <laughs> one day he was just in the academia <laughs> basically <laughs> right we know that he was run out of his hometown with pitchforks and clubs very shrek like understandable back when his name was zandik at that point too we know that he was doing research and stuff, and part of that research was focused on the old Conria, which makes reference to it being like a past tense. Mm-hmm. So we know that he was at least in the academia after, which seems like most likely he was born after the cataclysm. Yeah. We don't know which Darshan he was in no. in the academia, but we do know that it was not a Murta, which is the biology branch. So he's not Tinyari's legacy. Got it. No, but they don't say, we don't know in the lore, like, which actual Darshan it was. I theorize that it might have been the Order of Skeptics. I agree. Which is mm-hmm. the Darshan that split off from the other Darshans within the mm-hmm. academia, and they sort of put knowledge above all else, regardless of any other moral obligations. And that's sort of why they got 
separated from the other darshans within the academia and you know left to the desert if you don't know what the order of skeptics is yet it's in the second most recent update of the game with the the most recently unlocked area of the desert with the pari go get your sarush while we're just on this part too um i know we just did an event that was around the darshans and the academia but i know i am always getting them wrong and which one's which and things like that but can you remind people like me of what a darshan is and how many there are so there there are six darshans there's emerta which is biology there's ritawahist which is illuminationism which is like the stargazing one there's spontamod which is elementalism there's haravatat which is semiotics vahumana which is ideology and Kasharawar, which is technology. I can't figure out why I don't remember these names. They're just so easy to recall. <laughs> I remember Kasharawar because it's very fun to fuck up. I always remember Rotawahist because I can't say it. I just know that you said that there's a school of biology and a school of technology. <laughs> Those are the two that I got. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I think an easy way to kind of remember what they're all about is actually to think about that Darshan event, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Because we had characters specifically for each ones. That makes sense. So we had Tinyari was the biology one. Spatamid was Sino. And that was the elementalism? Yes. Spontamat is elementalism, yeah. Ritawahist was Layla, which is the stargazing one. I don't remember the other ones. Haravatat, semiotics, symbols. Was that Kave? No, Kave is a builder. It was Farazan. Yes. Yeah, I would guess it was Farazan. Because they asked her why she wasn't in Harasha. Haravatat? Yeah. But no, no, we're talking about Haravatat. You mean Kasharawar? Technology? Kasharawar, because she does a lot of technology, but... She's not part of Kasharawar. She's part of Haravatat. That's all I remember from the whole event, other than the amazing. <laughs> and then Kave was technology. Kave, the last one? Yeah, that sounds right. Yes. And then what did Hat Guy represent? Oh, shit. That was him too. Vahumana, I guess. That's the only one left. I have one last academia question for you, and then I'll get off the subject. We recently had our episode about Rosaline. She learned the pyromagic. Was she a part of Layla's school? I think she was in the school. I would guess Spontamod, but I don't know. The elementalism one. Oh, that would totally make sense. Okay, thank you. I just want them all to be in the power of the skeptics, basically. Speaking of the skeptics, I kind of wanted go back to Dotere's original name, Zandik, which is a Zoroastrian, which is absolutely not how you pronounce it, Z-O-R-O-A-S-T-R-I-A-N-S term that means heretic, which kind of points him out to a T because Zoroastrianism is one of the first organized monotheistic religions that kind of influenced Gnosticism, which is assumed to be the basis of the entire creation or the world creation of Tibbot, possibly. There are a couple of theories out there, but there's some strong theories that Gnosticism was one of the main influences when creating the ideas of Tavat. What is Gnosticism? So Gnosticism is basically a collection of religious ideas looking at Judo-Christian ideas and sects. And it's really talking and looking at personal spiritual knowledge, which they call Gnosis. Oh. As you see where I'm going with it. 
But the Gnostic cosmology is kind of what's influenced the idea of Genshin's entire world creation theory, I guess. So there's like always this principle of good versus evil. So we have Celestia versus the Abyss type of a thing. And in Zoroastrianism, there is a similar dualistic cosmology where you have good versus evil where good ultimately conquers evil. Now, it's really interesting that Dotere's original name is Zandic, which means heretic in this religion, which means possibly they might think of the opposite, that good does not conquer evil, that evil keeps conquering good. Perhaps that's one of the reasons why he's continually wanting to find specific knowledge and why he's been run out. Why are people afraid of what he wants to find out is very interesting. He was expelled from the academia and is considered a heretic because he does not believe in Celestia and he wants to have the gods and people be on the same level. So that's kind of where his heresy comes from in the game. Mm-hmm. No wonder he's so obsessed with Conria. Yeah. Makes sense. yeah. 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 They were basically heretics as well. Or at least in the eyes of Celestia. Because, I mean, to them, it's like, why the hell would they? Yeah. <laughs> you can only be a heretic to the people who believe in the common religion. <laughs> exactly. You have to be against it. You had to be for it to say somebody's against it. It's like anyone saying that they're a heretic of Zhongli because they worship Venti. How dare they? I know. I do want to take just a quick step back for our travelers who are probably like, how the heck did you find out his name is Zandik? So Dotore is assumed to also be a character named Zandik. There is no official confirmation, but we would like to say that it's pretty official for the most part. Zandik's legacy is a series of notes and papers that you can find throughout Sumeru. And a lot of the things written in them, we can presume are very Dottore-esque. A lot of it goes back to experimentations. There's even some found in the abandoned hospital that is part of the quest line for the Sumeru Archon quests. Is this the writings that we learn about the experimentations Kale went through? Yes. It's in the Elazar hospital. Yeah, in the abandoned hospital, which is a little outside of Caravan Rivet, Rivat. Yeah. <laughs> There's a like abandoned hospital that you go into during the Archon line because it's said that they're like keeping people that they captured out there or whatever and you like find out that there was someone who was like cured of Elazar through like the use of like injections of other dead people's parts <laughs> I mean I think it was like full-blown Frankenstein <laughs> did they put someone else's butthole I think they did Al I think it was all <laughs> I think the reason that Abbas was cured of Elazar is because of a butthole transplant. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, honestly, with the way that the creators of this game are obsessed with buttholes. I mean, there's one in the sky. There's exactly. there's some in the ground. There's, yeah, it's <laughs> there's like, multiple in the ground. It's the just... divine is channeling its powers through buttholes. <laughs> like, where do you no. think the visions come from? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't with any of you. 
<laughs> the other thing that can kind of, for the most part, confirm that Zandik is Datore is the Scaramouche renaming. So, spoiler alert for those of you who haven't done the Scaramouche part of the Sumeru Archon line, where you help him become Wanderer, basically, and there's a lot more to it. But, you know, he becomes a good-ish guy by the end. You get to rename him. And he gives us the power to rename him because he wants to start fresh. He wants to start new. Maybe he thinks that we're good. So we're giving him a name. It's going to be better than any of these evil people who have given him names. When you go to name him, you can name him anything. We've talked about our names for him. We got multiple different varieties over here. But <laughs> Keo and Weasel are the only two that come to my mind. Child, <laughs> How can you forget Haku? I don't know. I just remember mine and then Weasel. <laughs> Weasel is like top tier. Not gonna lie. <laughs> But the Hoyoverse was very smart and they kept you from being able to name him after current characters, Harbingers, or using any of his past names. And there were different reactions that Scar would have when he told you no, basically. So if someone went to name him Zandik, it would basically give you the similar response to when it says no about choosing a Harbinger's name. I wish I gave him the wrong name. I didn't even do that. That would have been fun to see. I thought about it for a hot second. I was like, I'm going to name him Child. <laughs> but I, I didn't. <laughs> I named him a very dirty name. It didn't let me. Oh, yeah. It mm-hmm. stopped you from that, too. And I actually was reading somewhere on Twitter the other day that people are getting, like, messages from Hoyo saying that they have to change their names. Really? Yeah. It might be copyrighted. Like, certain things might be like, oh, no, we can't. We can't have you have this. No, it's not even that. It's actually because they're, like, saying that it's going to be the name of a character. Oh, shit. Oh, wow. Oh, we love it. Oh, actually, that's amazing. I wonder if that's ever happened with anybody's name in the game. Like, your own name. Yeah, like, traveler type of thing. Yeah. I don't know. And it's interesting to me because I don't know how true it is. But can you imagine just how terrifying that would be to one day, like, be, like, logging into your Genshin mail or whatever it might be and being like, wait, I gotta change his name? (laughs) Log into Hoyo Labs and they're like, excuse me, you must change your person's name right now. I also wanted to talk about one other clue about Zandik in that and some notes that you find throughout the world. You know, we talked about there being notes about Conry and ruins and machines that he was sort of studying. He went on some academia research expeditions while he was in the academia. And so that was part of one of the things was he was like finding these Conry and rune machines and he would actually hide the technology from his colleagues because he could tell that they were developed using a technology that was not under Archon rule, um, Mm. aka Conria. And then there's this whole other story about this Emerta researcher that he was partnered with named (gasps) Sore. And this person, you know, at first, like, didn't like Dottore or Zandik, I should say. But then, you know, there was sort of a 180 and they suddenly were, like, getting along great and they agreed to go on a picnic together. Oh, romantic. And then you find out that the Sore character was critically injured by a Rishbalan tiger and died. Oh. But then later, the academia looked into their wounds and 
figured out that the actual, even though there were like all these lacerations and everything, they figured out that the actual cause of death was a wound to the neck showing mechanical asphyxia, which is basically strangulation. <laughs> so it implies that Dottore murdered this person and then, you know, either let them get cut up by a tiger or cut them up himself. Oh. God, I mean, you are we surprised? So he's like next level scary. Yeah, he kills his friends. Imagine yeah. what he does to the people he doesn't like. I mean, we know what he does. Yeah, people. I guess we do. <laughs> we do know very we do well. know what he does. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Also, during his whole like Elazar research phase, where he was like playing Frankenstein and like actually like trying to cure Elazar and looking into that, there's a note when he cures Elazar and Abbas, I think was his name. But uh, in the notes, he's calling him Specimen Four, and he says Specimen Four's symptoms disappear completely, proving that it is possible to use redacted to control the elemental content of a person's body without relying on elemental power because they discovered that there was a correlation between elemental content within a person's body including their organs and elazar uh, like elazar symptoms i should say so people with elazar had this like heightened amount of elemental whatever in their body and he noted that there is a there is potential for weaponization so it made me think that his research on elazar led him to inventing delusions Ooh. just a thought i mean it's totally possible mm-hmm. it's almost like uh, elazar was like an overload of elementalism within someone's body well that makes sense because a lot of it like when we looked into the lore of elazar it was like something about the balance within the body, whether it be like some elemental magic or something, something was off key. Right. And then it turns them into like a snake. <laughs> yes, basically. Basically. <laughs> a snake, you say? I mean, it could just be you're turning into the shops, mm-hmm. turning into Orabashi. 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 There was a part of me that thought you said steaks. And I was like, who's eating them? I mean, that's some scaly ass steak. I mean, it could be a fish steak. When I hear steak, I just think of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> No, I just made Dottore a cannibal. I mean, that's okay. He probably is. Let's he be, probably is, yeah. Let's be honest. I mean, he's, what are the odds that he's not? Yeah. <laughs> he's definitely the dude who was like, hmm, wonder what this tastes like. Wait, what was that story during the Scaramouche, like, where he watched... Didn't he watch Dottore eat someone's arm? Did he? No, 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 no. So that was... Remember when Scar did the Control-Alt-Delete? There was a story when he was on the beach and he saw an arm and he, he really thought that he was gonna eat oh, it, but okay. he walked away. Right. He, when he did the Control-Alt-Delete, it replaces him with Dottore. And we all know... He did not fucking hesitate. <laughs> Ain't no way he hesitated. Cannibalism keeps coming up in this. In this game. I mean, every update, Genshin gets darker and darker. Oh my and god. Darker. I love, and I love it. it. Yeah. Like, come on. So all these experiments that we were just talking about with Elazar and everything, was that pre or post getting kicked out of the academia? Pre, because he was studying Elazar while in the academia. Although once he got kicked out and he got recruited by Piero, they still did experiments on Elazar because after that, that's when they were like collecting kids and experimenting. That's when Kale got experimented on was after he left the academia and was recruited by the Fatui and then they had their own little branch of Elazar testing 
And that's when they injected Kale with the god remains as a treatment experiment. Oh, yeah. The like, how fucking rude. Wait, just to, to clarify, too, you guys were just, it was a little big brained for me. You guys were talking about the elemental powers within someone who has Elazar. So if we looked at Kale, you're saying that because Kale had Elazar, she had a greater chance of having like an opportunity to get a vision, like resonating with elemental something. Like she just was like more inclined to that almost maybe i'm not really sure yeah we just know during their research that like their body parts were like had a higher elemental content than other people's almost saying by your genetic makeup is what gives you a vision not necessarily a nature versus nurture type of thing well elazar was spread via forbidden knowledge so it was like a disease i think it was like a contagious disease like a curse that sort of spread but like the actual mechanism that created the expressions of the disease was like higher elemental energy like within someone's body i guess mm-hmm. i don't know there's not really it's not really super clear there's just like some truncated notes that give us this clue i only ask because it's interesting too that kale when they do experiment on her with the remains of like old gods and stuff like that she ends up unleashing that internal power which you know with things with detore seem to be similar like he unleashed an inner power within skara he did it within kale or place the power in her possibly with the black magic that we see mm-hmm. the black snake <laughs> yeah like i think that my th- personal theory is that the curse sort of overloads someone with elemental power and that when they injected her with the remains of a god you know a god would have the ability to channel elemental power because it's pure the gods were made of you know pure elemental energy or whatever so it makes sense that a god would be able to keep the uh, effects of elazar in check but also it made the god energy go wild within her which is what made her sort of explosive and and deadly and then of course once sino sealed the god within her that allowed the Elazar to sort of come back up to the surface which goes into her whole Sumeru storyline. And we will pop back into Detore in a second I swear but I also find it interesting that Sino has a power locked within him as well or a power that he actually very much wields I should say the god that he controls the like electro god within him it's just interesting too that he's in there because he was also experimented on we learned as a child and he was taken in by Cyrus which is him and Lisa's like master kind of like how Tignari is Kali's master so really the person who taught them and Sino's master Cyrus took him in and like was like they're gonna not hurt you anymore but they from what I understand we never really see exactly who experimented on Sino Mm. that I can remember at least so I would be very curious to know if the Torre had any hand in Sino's like life and times as well right yeah maybe Maybe he was a, like whoever did that was a sort of on the same level as Barnabas, who yeah. was you know Detore's underling that experimented on Kale. Yes, exactly. Maybe it even was Barnabas. So yeah, that's just like some food for thought too. I, I think it's so interesting with Sumeru that things really took a, a turn. It got really dark in Sumeru really fast. Like we thought the whole like Kazuha having a dead friend thing was dark. Like this just <laughs> got so much worse. 
And I think a lot of hidden truths are starting to come out because of Sumeru, which yeah, has been for fun. Sure. But for sure. back to Tatore, even though I hate to give him any attention. So he was kicked out of the academia because he was basically being inhumane and horrible and terrible and didn't believe in Celestia. And they're like, yo, bro, get the get the out. Get out. We don't need you here. Then he joins the Fatui. Piero approaches him about joining the Fatui, right? Yeah. And then he gets involved in the Tatarasuna incident. Yes. Yeah. So he is in the meantime, in between there, he's become like, you know, uh, obviously the doctor. But he makes that transition from Zandi to Dottore. Um, He's in charge of all of the laboratories for the Fatui and, you know, anything that has to do with experimentation and general evilness that would affect other people. <laughs> then there comes Tatarasuna, where he just becomes a little extra. <laughs> just a little. Just a little extra. So, for travelers who might not know, Tatarasuna is the furnace out in Inazuma. We have a whole world quest line around it. Isn't it an island that it the is furnace is on? Yeah, yeah, it's an island that houses the Makage furnace. I've just always called it the Tatarasuna furnace in my head. I don't. <laughs> I, I mean, that's really what it, its main storyline is all about is the furnace. <laughs> but for those who don't remember the whole storyline, we like run into a guy from Fontaine, which is also really sus now. Just saying. <laughs> so in the game, we run to a guy from Fontaine and he's explaining that like the furnace is a Fontaine technology. Yeah. His name is Xavier, right? Yes, yes. I believe so. <laughs> we talk to him a lot. Yeah, too much, right? And his stupid little hat. <laughs> he had a stupid hat. Oh, get ready to hate Fontaine to <laughs> <laughs> And he basically explains to us that this furnace is not well and that it needs to be fixed. <laughs> and like Lamedon's turns, it's literally just electrocuting everyone. And your screen literally starts to like crack from the electrocution effects until you fix this furnace. That's the like, part of it. So we find out that back in the day, people from Fontaine helped Inazuma create the furnace and they were smelting crystal marrow, which is left over from the corpse of Oribashi. And they used that to smell jade which was very important to Inazuma and you know crafting weapons and everything at the time and eventually they created these I forget what they're called but they create these things around the island and that keep this poison from seeping out of the crystal marrow that makes everyone go kind of cray cray it's basically toxic waste <laughs> yeah and it actually sort of possesses people and makes them you know go crazy and kind of murderous and it sort of possesses them with the will of evil orobashi i guess like the sort of evil shadow of orobashi so that happened like a long time ago and then eventually you know they i guess they're sort of wards that are created around this island and they ended up like sort of messing up so someone created this bubble around the whole area which protects the island and the surrounding people from getting poisoned by it so when we meet xavier and we're actually like working to repair these wards like that that's why we're able to take the bubble down is that we're actually able to keep this poison in check and this is also the same furnace that we mentioned last week that alice just decided one day to go by and just change just take some parts out because she was unhappy yeah. with it <laughs> so i'm gonna assume after <laughs> the tetrasuna incident but yeah same furnace she makes it like less powerful yes as a furnace but safer like it's less productive but yeah it's much safer so let's talk about the incident right so 
<laughs> Dottore, you know, after he becomes a member of the Fatui, he and Piero come up with the scheme to infiltrate Tatarasuna and sort of sow chaos within the fabric of Inazuma's history and create some opportunities for them. So he actually goes to Tatarasuna and he pretends to be a mechanic from Fontaine, which makes sense because we know that Fontaine helped create the whole furnace area. So he uh, calls himself Escher and infiltrates this group within Tatarasuna. And if you want to know more details about this, go back and listen to our Scaramouche episode because we go into a lot of detail about this. Dottore as Escher sort of infiltrates this. He presents them with a new smelting technique that everyone is like wild about. Like, oh my gosh, this is so great. We're like making these wonderful weapons. But what's actually happening is this new smelting technique is releasing the evil you know filth from the crystal marrow we love um, which is also a curse which is called tataragami by the way which is the evil will of like the dead god orabashi mm, orabashi again yes it's accumulating within the makage furnace and he also creates a device that will actually cleanse the filth which he's like a puppet master pulling all these strings he uses this whole situation to then end up killing a main character in that whole storyline called Niwa. Niwa was very close with Scaramouche, and he convinces Scaramouche that Niwa betrayed him, even though he didn't. And Scaramouche, of course, later finds out that Dottore was the one who was the betrayer. That's sort of the impetus for Scara revising the whole timeline, going back into Ermansol, trying to erase himself. And then for those that are curious, in the revised timeline, we find out that Escher quote-unquote Escher, he still goes there, he still infiltrates Tatarasuna, he still gives them the new smelting technique, and he still creates the cleansing device, but instead of using that cleansing device to have Skara go into the fire to manipulate Skara, he actually just gives it to Niwa and some other worker who both go into the furnace to cleanse it, which ultimately kills both of them. So he actually went to Tatarasuna before he even knew Skara was there in the original timeline, but once he knew about Skaramouche, he was like, oh, Oh, there's this puppet. He seems like he could be very interesting and useful. So he sort of pivots in the original timeline and tells Pierre, like, hey, there's this puppet here. I think we should really look into using him for our purposes. And that's sort of what drives him to kill Niwa and manipulate Scaramouche. Horrible. Like, what a horrible, horrible person. Yeah. He's, like, very Machiavellian. Yeah. And after that, they get Scaramouche to join the Fatui, and that's when he kind of starts his, like, experimentation now on Scara, which I think we could assume happened prior to him dying diving back into his Elazar experiments, which we first learn about during the manga. Yes, that probably is so. And what's interesting about his Scaramouche journey <laughs> is that, you know, studying Scara for decades, that actually led to him developing the techniques that form the basis for his segments. Oh, God. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, that's how he learned how to create segments of himself. I hate that. So when he learned to fake himself as Escher, that was some other kind of craziness. He unlocked something. Yeah, I don't think that the whole disguise thing, I'm assuming that's like, I don't know, some kind of delusion power. I'm not sure Mm -hmm. what that's about. That's separate from the segments, which are just like parts of him at different ages. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that makes sense. It scares the shit out of me that he could like possibly disguise though as other people. That's probably one of my biggest fears with <laughs> the Torah. Yeah. 
I started taking the two and mixing them together. So I apologize for that confusion. I have this fear that like he's gonna like try to kill Tignari. So <laughs> oh, geez. he kind of already did. Yeah, <laughs> uh, oh, his underlings. He yeah, he tried and failed. But I, I feel like he's gonna come back for Kale specifically. But anyway, that aside, let's talk a little bit about Kale. So for our travelers who may not know, there is a Genshin manga. It is available online. We'll link to it on our website if you want to take a closer look at it yourself. But in the very beginning, we do get to meet one of the younger versions of a Dottore segment. And he's gross and icky and creepy. And when you see Dottore in the manga and you really don't know about the segments yet, and then you see him in the Lotso video they put out, you're like, what is this glow up? What did they do to him? And then you find out his segments and you're like, oh, this is like younger brother and older brother. Right, right. Because I mean, he's creepy looking in the manga. He looks like the Joker to me in the manga. Well, first of all, we meet him in the creepiest way because the manga starts with a dead kid (laughs) on the floor. Of this underground arena owned by the Fatui called Heresis. And they're like contender 139 down, no life signs detected, initiating rebuild, which is like what rebuild. And then there's like this black like mist coming out of the ground near it. So I don't know what that's about. And then he has this underling named Krupp. And he's like, Krupp, you've been providing me with all these bodies to experiment on and it's not going well. It's not working. So I think I might just experiment on you and Krupp is like, wait, 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 wait. Uh, no, um, actually, we were just invited to uh, Udai Harpastum or whatever it's called in Mondstadt. And so Dottore is sort of distracted. He's like, oh, okay, that could be interesting. And so it starts off with this like dead kid that they're just sort of like, Ugh, another one down, one number 139, failed the experiment whatever they're trying to actually do, which we don't know. There's so many dead kids. It makes you wonder what, like, number Kale was. Was Kale just a number? Well, no, I think Probably. they're saying 139 in this arena. Oh, yes. Oh. And there's, like, rich people watching, like, in a circle around the arena. So th- oh. this is some kind of creepy, like, rich person oh. thing. And we find out, by the way, that this dead kid is someone named Anthony, who was uh, a kid that worked at a bakery in Mondstadt. We find this out because we later learn that D. Luke knows who he is and that he, you know, was recruited by the Fatui and never came back. He disappeared. So D. Luke knows what's going on. He knows that the Fatui are recruiting kids from Mondstadt and that they never come back. They just disappear. And doesn't Kaya kind of call it like a blood debt? Yeah, so when Krupp and Dottore go to Mondstadt, with this invitation, which I know we're all like, why would they be invited? It's because of weird political dynamics between the Fatui and Mondstadt. Probably largely because we find out that Dottori at one point single-handedly killed Ursa the Drake, which was a dragon that was terrorizing Mondstadt for many, many years. So when he killed that dragon, it sort of indebted Mondstadt to him. And so there's a lot of political sensitivity going on with regards to that, because as we've talked about before, Snezhnaya loved to sort of play the we're protectors of the world game and use that as like a bargaining chip with other nations. And they do that to Mondstadt a lot because Mondstadt is sort of the nation that resists Snezhnaya and the Fatui more than any other nation. So 
Dottore and Krupp go to this party at Deluxe Manor, and that's when they sort of bring up this idea of like, you know, we're really needing more recruits. And Deluke and Kaya are kind of like, well, <laughs> that's funny because we're very short-staffed here at Mondstadt. There's hardly anyone here, as you may have noticed, playing the game. <laughs> and <laughs> they're like, we don't have enough knights of Favonius because they all left, and most people aren't strong enough to be a knight, blah, blah, blah. And, so, and then, you know, Krupp is sort of like, oh, we don't need anyone strong. We just need faithful youths who believe in the seven archons. And Kaya is sort of like, oh, it kind of sounds like you want us to pay a blood tax at the cost of our children's lives, like just sort of ruining the mood of the <laughs> high society uh, <laughs> meeting. Way to go, Kaya. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Barbara and Jean's dad, the Seneschal Seamus Pegg is there. And he's like, oh, um, he's like trying to be political and is very like, well, this is very important and we need to uh, look into it. And D. Luke is sort of like, you know what? This meeting isn't going anywhere. Let's sort of take a break. Let's all go back out and get a drink, blah, blah, blah. And we'll come back to this later. And so after that, Krupp ends up sneaking into D. Luke's cellars to try to steal a bunch of barrels of wine. And then D. Luke, <laughs> D. Luke descends as the Dark Knight hero, of course, in his <laughs> disguise, which is just a stupid mask that you can... <laughs> Easily tell is, is dealer. It's like the ponytail in all. Krupp is like, who is that? There's some kind of assassin here. <laughs> it's so stupid. But um, D. Luke ends up capturing Krupp using, you know, a delusion, which comes into play later. Listen to our D. Luke episode. <laughs> Shout out. And Krupp, he's like basically threatening Krupp. He's like, where's Anthony? He was recruited and like never seen again. And I want to know what's going on with this arena that's underground. And there's all these rumors about a sick game that rich people play there. And Krupp is like, don't hurt me. I'll tell you everything. And right before he tells him everything, he gets killed by some flying sharp object. And <laughs> boop, boop, boom, there is the Torre. <laughs> On the other end of the hall, dun, dun, dun. who just neutralized Krupp from spilling any secrets. And what's really odd, if you look at the manga, if you look at the pictures, it seems like Dottore <laughs> killed him with these like weird flying like push pins. Oh I don't know if any of you have looked at this recently. Oh my god! It's I don't know what they are, but it's like I don't know what it is. But he's like sending these weird sharp. They look like giant push pins, and he can send them <laughs> through the air and. So he killed Krupp with that. And D. Luke is like, what the fuck? I mean, yeah. <laughs> and Dottore's like, oh, that's interesting. You have a quote unquote vision on your wrist. Hmm. Because, you know, Dottore's crazy. And then he's like, anyway, I gotta go. Bye. And <laughs> D. Luke is like, oh, shit. <laughs> There's a dead body and I didn't find out anything. And so uh, then, you know, Dottore is like on his way out of town. He's so crazy that he actually temporarily forgets that he killed Krupp. But once he remembers, he later goes back, somehow finds his corpse and turns it into a rune monster, which plays a part further in the manga, like with Amber and Jean. But what's interesting is that when D. Luke goes back to the party later, Kai is like, oh, so what were you up to? And D. Luke's like, I was uh, taking care of something. And Kai sort of knows what happens. And D. Luke is like, yeah, I had to dump some some things, some bad wine. So it, it almost makes it sound like D. Luke took Krupp's body. 
and put it in a wine barrel and dumped it somewhere. I'm, that's be speculating, but that's what it sounds like. I mean, like. he probably just like dumped it somewhere. It's probably in the pond or like he put rocks in it and just threw it out back. He just gave it to Albedo. <laughs> Somehow, Dottori was able to find the body and turn it into a ruined monster, so... Yeah, <laughs> he didn't do a very good job. He just yeah. put it out Jesus. by the side trash. <laughs> Maybe another segment was, like, waiting, you know, lying in wait and spying on him. I will say there is some chaos in Monset in the days following this ball. <laughs> so it makes sense that, like, Diluc may have forgotten to properly get rid of a body, too. He goes back like, hey, didn't I put something here? He's like, ah, shit. It's gone. Was he alive the whole time? Is he stealing more <laughs> wine? This one other thing that Dottore says that I thought was really interesting in the manga, and it's when Krupp first says, like, hey, we've been invited to Mondstadt. And Dottore says, I'll visit Mondstadt and see how that thing worked out. Yeah. But we never learn what, like, that thing is. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And a part of me wonders if, like, that, like, maybe the quote-unquote thing was him, like, killing Krapus. Like, you know, there's always that thought that, like, he was involved in Krapus's death. Right. But this is so many years later and we know that Diluc was out in Shnaznaya, like, torturing the Fatui. So, <laughs> like, I don't, I feel like he knows exactly how that thing went down because Diluc's out there, like, trying to murk all the Fatui all the time. I was wondering if it, maybe it was, like, those weird mechanical bugs that were flying around Mondstadt during the manga. Yes, that's also, yeah. That might have been it. That's part of, like, what kills Krapus, too, right? And we never find out who that guy is that, like, releases the flying bug onto Krapus. Yeah, I don't remember, I but I know that they were around. Doesn't, like, Amber and Jean find one? Yes, they do. Yeah, so I don't know. He has so many experiments going on at any given time. Yeah, that's also very, very valid. But during the manga, that's the only time we really see Dottore, but we learn that he experimented on Miss Kale and <laughs> that she now has like a black snake living within her that's like an evil fire power and she kills two Shazayan diplomats accidentally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it may have been an accident, but it was cathartic, and as she should. Accidental homicide. Yeah. Ooh, I it's like just that. second degree manslaughter. It's just <laughs> second degree manslaughter. It's fine. I mean, her body was filled with so much hatred at the time that it was like almost like an expression of hate, which, you know, that's sort of a common theme in the game is the more hatred within you, the more you're sort of corrupted by shady powers. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. That's like literally the same thing as Persona 5. I love it. Start loving. I mean, it's a common trope. Yeah, I love mm -hmm. that trope, honestly. For sure. Don't hate, make love. Make babies. Maybe. And we find out all the stuff about Kale. We have a Kale episode out already, so we won't go too far into that. But that's really the first time we learn like what a psychopath Tatore truly is. Mm -hmm. Like if the yeah. flying pushpins killing his friend didn't convince you, <laughs> the experimentation on baby Kale will convince you otherwise. <laughs> yeah, murdering Sore, killing Niwa. <laughs> He's a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, none he of that is. did it. He's like a, like a trained assassin almost. Like it's very, I don't like it. I hate this man. And the next time we see him is in Sumeru when he comes out and tries to kill Catherine, aka Nahida. Yeah. Well, he tries to actually kill Traveler because he makes all of the people of Sumeru there be so excited that the Traveler saved 
Sumeru that they have to like congratulate him. And then he does that all through their Akasha terminals. Then they 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 can't contain themselves and they start like almost like they're gonna mob on him. I don't know what would have happened. <laughs> oh wait, the, wait, mob on him. I mob like this on mob on him. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna mob on him, but like, Catherine, aka Nahida, comes to the rescue and is just like, stop it, go to sleep. And then stabs fucking Catherine right in the like gut. <laughs> well, yeah, Nahida as Catherine using that power is what tipped off Datore realizing who Nahida really is. Mm-hmm. And which ultimately leads him to like trapping her consciousness. Yes. And we then later find out that Datore is actually trying to create a false god who is Scaramouche. And we find out that he is he's kind of involved or he is involved in like the whole Hypasia like incense poisoning that allows Hypasia and us to see Ermin's soul. Well, so he has like this grand experiment to like create a false god and I don't know how but he somehow, con- I don't know if he convinced or it was just naturally on the same side as the sages of the academia Academia. Oh yeah, he was working with them. <laughs> yeah, like they were in cahoots and, you know, turned Skarmush into a new god. For the sages, this was like this actual plan that they were trying to make happen. For Dottori, it was just this big experiment. And Hypasia, I don't know if that was a part of, you know, his plans or his experiment. I think it might have just been its own separate thing. Like, she actually went through whatever ritual to try to connect with Ermensoul and she succeeded, surprisingly. But when she succeeded, she started seeing memories of Scaramouche. And I don't know if that's because Scar was, like, on the verge of godhood or if it was like I don't know some kind of coincidence but she started like having visions of you know all these memories and past events but they were actually Skara's and so that caused Skara to see her as his first follower but Dottore being you know the meddler and like the controller that he is he actually goes to Tainari who is sort of protecting Hypasia while she's in her like crazy state <laughs> yeah, in like a medical coma for half of it like she, yeah she's basically like overloaded and so and, and sort of in a coma so Tainari is keeping watch over her protecting her and Dottori visits Tainari he's like you know what I would really I think that we could really help her a lot in Snezhnaya why don't you let me take her over there and we can give her the best medical care and Tainari's like <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> and so Dottori's like, yeah, well, that's fine. I have to leave. So no leave. worries. <laughs> and so he leaves, but then he sends a bunch of henchmen to kidnap her. And that's when right around the same time that Traveler finds Hypasia and then has that weird mind meld with Scaramouche and is like talking to him in his mind. And he's like, he tells Scaramouche what's happening. Like, hey, uh, Dottori wants to kidnap your first follower. And, you know, she's in a very fragile state. Don't you think that's messed up? And Scar is like, oh, hell no. Dottori <laughs> needs to learn his place. And so that's when he starts throwing lightning bolts on all the people trying to take Hypasia, which is how Tainari gets electrocuted. You know, honestly, he was a good first god to his very first follower. That's actually quite heartwarming. I mean, we yeah. all hated him beforehand. But she was in a very vulnerable space. She was tripping balls. And, you know, they were just gonna fucking rob her of herself. I think that's, you know, it showed a vulnerability of Scaramouche as well. Because 
it showed that, you know, sort of the flaw in his ego of yeah. wanting a follower and like needing some kind of validation that he never got anywhere else. Those emotions that made A kick him out. Exactly. It's like all the people that like accepted him and at least for this one person, they didn't even meet him. So there's no way he could ever accidentally let them down because they're considered a god in their eyes. I mean, don't you feel like he was trying to become a god? to impress a <laughs> oh for sure <laughs> he wanted mommy's validation <laughs> give me approval mommy you know when you have like parenthood trauma where it's like you're trying to show that despite your trauma you can still become something great i feel like anyone listening to this podcast has that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think anyone who has found this can relate because we love trauma and also genji's We're all traumatized trauma. here yeah <laughs> but this is one of the main reasons I worry for Tignari's safety. <laughs> he did get shot. He got babamped. Well, not even that. I'm like so afraid that Detore is going to be like, you talked back to me. You're protecting Kale from me. And the same thing for Sino, right? Like he, Sino sealed the powers within Kale. Mm. I have this like thought because Sino is so busy being the general Mahamatra slash being a TCG king. And also like Sino's been on vacation for like a really long time. Like the what the last two updates, he's been on vacation. Maybe the last three updates he's been on vacation. So his time off is ending. He's going to have to go on some long trip to the desert. Dottore is going to like impersonate Sino and like either hurt Tignari or kidnap Kale or a mixture of both. And I'm horrified. But Kale's no longer sick. So I don't know if she has a purpose for him anymore. Well, but remember, she has this these god remains injected into her body and they were sealed away by Sino. Mm, okay. And remember, Sino, at the end of the manga, Sino warns Kale that if this ever becomes unsealed and like takes over, that there's no going back. So I okay. think that it's a real threat that Dottore, you know, who was doing these experiments in the first place, you know, Kale might have been one of the only success stories in that experiment. So it makes a lot of sense for, I don't think Dottore is like spiteful of like, you did something to me, so I'm going to get revenge. He's more like, my experiment wasn't concluded. So I could see him going after Kale to try to unseal the power and just to see what happens to her. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh God. Okay. This is too scary. Kale says that her neck still like tingles sometimes, especially when she sees Sino. Like she says oh. that she feels bad that like sometimes when she sees Sino, like it's not that she doesn't like him. It's just that sometimes her neck still crawls. Yeah. Ugh. After all this drama happens, Nihita ends up striking a deal with Dottore, convincing him to get rid of all of his segments in order for him to receive the electronosis. On top of this, though, Nihita also threatens awaking Celestia or is it awakening the heavenly principles which we assume is Celestia and he was really scared for Dottore at least you know he's like oh gasp for a heretic <laughs> he was quite aghast he was like what do you mean and she's like we both know that the heavenly principles have been silent for many years do you think if i destroyed this gnosis instead of giving it to you that it would awaken her and if i do that what do you think would happen to the fatui <laughs> <laughs> it almost sounded like, you know, you're as blasphemous as Conria. So what do you think is going to happen if I summon her? Baboom is what happened. Yeah, it's kind of 
it's scary at first. I, like, I remember reading it and being like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. But then later on when talking to us, Nahida like calls her own bluff. Doesn't she? Isn't she kind of like, yeah, I don't know if that would have happened, but like we tried. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, Nahida, you can't do this to me. I mean, she did and she did a good bluff. <laughs> and that was just her way of like keeping him from attacking her and taking it by force. Yeah. But then, you know, she ended up giving it to him anyway as a bargain for deleting all of his segments. Right. And then she gives him the dendrognosis in exchange for information about the descenders. Yeah. When we wake up, because we've been knocked out at this point, then we find out that we're one of the descenders. <laughs> Not the Descendants, which is a band. Or a Disney movie. Oh, true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is nice. That, I mean, it, it was nice that Nahida did that for us. But again, like we've mentioned in previous episodes, the Archons are pretty quick to give up these little freaking gnosises. They're just like, oh, you want this shit? Here, eh, whatever. Yeah, I did not care enough about what we learned about Descenders for the fact that now they have four gnosises. Yeah, like, isn't that going to do something? <laughs> or is it that Nahida really knows that, like, they try and use this and the Heavenly Principles is going to, like, stomp down and be like, no, 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 no. Yeah, that's true, too. I don't know. I take it as, like, Heavenly Principles have been silent for so many years and the world just sort of keeps going on without it. Like, it's almost like they've been abandoned by the Primordial One or whoever the Heavenly Principles is. And so they're kind of like, this isn't really, like, we don't need this. This isn't doing anything but tying us to Celestia, and we don't even need Celestia anymore. Whereas the Fatui seem to be trying to take control of Celestia, so it makes sense that they would want it, whereas the gods are kind of like, old news, this isn't actually helpful, so whatever. Yeah, it makes you wonder if the Saritza even has their own Gnosis. Oh. Yeah, it just makes me interested if she even has hers, because... If all the other Archons are so willing to get rid of their Gnosis and they basically are saying, like, this means nothing to me and the Saritza is so hungry to get these other ones, like, she clearly thinks that it's going to do something while all the other Archons know that she must be collecting all the Gnosis, right? Mm -hmm. Like, she's not that secretive. They're all smart people. (laughs) Like, they know what she's doing. So I would imagine that she does not have her own. For some reason. You think Celestia took it? I mean, it's possible. But we know that something happened, right? Where she lost, like, her love or whatever. Like, love for her people, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that could be something with it, too. You know, we don't really know Shneznaya's involvement yet with Conria, too. So, just a curious thing. Speaking of Shneznaya and Conria, though, there are a few other places where we do kind of run into Totore during the game. And one is in Monsat during the manga. We find out that, you know, Monsat is indebted to him because of the whole Ursa the Drake situation. But we also find out that Totore used to do a ton of research on ruin guards in Leeway. And there's actually a place that's like a research facility. I like to call it the Ruin Guard Factory because Tuser thinks that's where Mr. Cyclops toys are made and Tusser's child's younger brother. So we actually first really hear about Totore in the game outside of the manga from child storyline. If you haven't done it, it's a good time. It's a good redemption arc for him, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> it's your only like fact for like your argument for redemption for child is look, 
bro- baby brother too. He's nice to his brother. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. We do talk a little bit more though in our episode about Child from last season, of course, about his storyline as a whole. But we do find out that like Detore has just been researching out there on Ruin Guards, which makes sense because he's very interested in Conria. But he just got bored and stopped doing it one day. Yeah, all the Ruin Guards started like you know exiting the facility and like <laughs> going out into the surrounding area and causing you know chaos and havoc what a vibe honestly i wish i was him to Tore, you know <laughs> no conscience whatsoever yeah what is that Slay like i'm bored i'll go Murder do the everywhere. next thing that was his like pandemic project <laughs> like, most people made bread <laughs> to Tore did experiments on yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Speaking of like Conrian machines too, if you guys have done Tignari's story quest, in his storyline, we meet Karkata, who is a robot like crab. It's one of the things we fight sometimes, actually. And it has more of like a conscious, and we kind of help Karkata, and we learn that like they had a master who was trying to experiment and put like a conscious into the robot, basically. And like Karkata seems to have emotions and stuff like that. And we learn from Tignari that it's actually actually against Sumerian law for them to study mechanics and machines. Very like Final Fantasy X, like when they can't study Machina and all that jazz. But it makes me wonder if Dottore is the reason why you can't experiment on robots and machines. Yeah, I don't remember this from the quest, but I believe you. But it would make sense if Dottore is the reason because he was, you know, doing a lot of shady things with all of the Conrian technology that he was finding. And one of the things I find funny in Tignari's storyline is like when we like finish helping Karkata, we kind of leave Tignari and Karkata by themselves in the research facility of Karkata's dead master. And Tignari tells us he's going to figure it out. And the next day we have like this moral dilemma where we have assumed that Tignari is going to like deactivate Karkata. And we have like all of a sudden this moral obligation to this robot to go be like, no, Tignari, don't do it. And we go to tell Tignari this and Tignari's like, yeah, no, I didn't do that. Like Karkata's vibing in Paradis Dia. That was like his best moment of the game, by the way. Yeah, I I would agree. It was good. Mm -hmm. Not the best, Mm -hmm. but I mean, it's great. Like you can't (laughs) help but fall in love with Karkata during that quest because Karkata yeah. is like a dog yeah. <laughs> who is mourning his original master's death and like won't leave his side it's yeah. so sad did y'all get futurama vibes of like the dog that just waited at the pizza yes yes for years and i okay that i did cry at i there's did. a dog in genshin like that I, the one that toma helps yeah who's waiting for his, his ninja master oh. at the beach yeah mm-hmm. but there is a point and i forget what story or event it is where you can read oh it's um it's in the archon line there's a part in the archon line and if you've done tignari's storyline you end up in the grand master's like office and you can read like the notes on the table or something like that and one of the notes is that people reported seeing like uh robotic monster in Paradis Dia if you've done Tignari's storyline and it says that the <laughs> Matra have cleared it as just like a spooky thing so a lot of people are like yo Sino's covering for Tignari and his fucking robot dog pet <laughs> Just hiding it in the greenhouse. Yeah, basically, because Carcado only comes out of the greenhouse at night. <laughs> so I, I'm curious if, like, you know, 
there's any lore in Sumeru about like why they can't study robots and maybe Feruzan will eventually tell us some of that since she's a hundred years old. Which almost doesn't sound that old. I know, but she's over a hundred technically. She's yeah. stuck for a hundred, right? But he does 500. What are you gonna do? I really want Karkata and Ben Ben to be yeah. best friends yeah. they need like they could be each other's companions they would be so cute together Paris Dia could just become like a little like ranch for all like like the cute mechanical guys <laughs> yes Tignari's just feeding them bolts and stuff and Sino's like yeah. I don't know how much longer I can do this Tignari <laughs> mechanical animal refuge it's yeah like, you better do it the entire life you have left buddy <laughs> he's like if you truly love me I know you will take care of these animals with me. If you truly love me, you would give me 8 million other mechanical doggies right now. (laughs) I want puppies so bad. Don't mind me. But then I guess that just brings us to what theories we have about Totore. I would like to quickly throw out a theory just because we did do an Inconomia episode last week. And when we were talking about Inconomia, I actually came to my fellow hosts after while we were editing the podcast and I was like, isn't it strange that Orobashi like experimented on the Vashops but is a snake? Like how did a snake manage to run experiments? And it really piqued my curiosity if like somehow Dottore is involved in that. Of course, the timeline is a little wacky on that because we don't really know when Orobashi was experimenting. Like was it after the Cataclysm? I would think it was before the cataclysm. So I don't know. It might not be the most solid idea, but it's interesting that there's a lot of snake things related to Totore as well with Kale having like the snake black flame magic and stuff like that. I've kind of been going Orabashi during the entire podcast as I (laughs) hinted at my grand scheme. But I am curious if like Totore has something to do with Orobashi at all. Maybe Orobashi never died. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe a segment of Totore became like a worshiper of Orobashi. We don't know. Yeah, we have no idea. So, uh, you know, I'm just We know somebody's dead, though, because there's a lot of god junk just sitting around. I mean, there's a lot of people dead, though. Yeah, but on that island, there's all the god uh, remains. Mm-hmm. But maybe Orobashi was like, maybe Orobashi's will was, you know, transported into one of his segments. Mm. Or you know how like sometimes those gods shrink down. Look at Nahida, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's totally possible that a shrunken down version of Orobashi is mm-hmm. a, a Tatore segment. And let's not forget that Dottore, you know, gave this melting technique that was like releasing the curse of Orobashi around. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of Orobashi connection going on. Which is sus. I have one just fun, random, just for fun theory, which is for anyone who is listening that also plays Honkai Star Rail. Check out Tiff. Which is not me. (laughs) There are two characters named Ronya and Sila. They are characters that are also in Honkai Impact. And in both of these games, both of these Honkai games, they are orphans that are at least partially raised in a Russian-ish orphanage. And we know that the House of the Hearth in Genshin is a Russian-ish 
orphanage run by the Fatui, run by the Nave. And I would just love it if we get to Snezhnaya finally and like where we get to the orphanage or something about the orphanage. If there's this big reveal of like someone that looks exactly like Bronya and or Sila and or Kakolia, the orphanage master. Oh, so. I hate Kakolia. I mean, Kakolia is a villain. She's a villain in both of the Honkai games. So it would make sense if she was like running the orphanage while the Nave was, you know, out. Like maybe she's second in command. I don't know. She's like, as Vedanzia, you die now. Or maybe one of them's the Saritza. That would be the big... Mm-hmm. Cool. I could see Branya as the Saritza just because of like, I don't know, the hair color Branya. Like Branya has the gray silver hair. Mm-hmm. I'm not very far in Star Rail. As you all know, I have been turned, but only for Star Rail. <laughs> I love Dan. Don. I don't know. Is it Dan or Don? I still don't it's know. Don. It's Don. Yay, Don. Don Hung. And I also really like Serval and Japard, the sibling relationship. That makes me happy. But I just like siblings, as most of y'all know. So I don't know like too much about the Honkai characters, but I know Kakolia is a bitch. (laughs) And I know that Branya and Silei, like Branya, like in the start of Star Rail, like has one opinion and like changes her mind pretty quickly. So I could see like Branya being stuck under the rule of like Kakolia type of thing in Shnaznaya. So I don't know. It could totally be true. Mm-hmm. And Branya and Sila are like in love in Honkai Impact, by the way. And they flirt with that in Honkai Star Rail. I could see Silei being like the knave even. Oh, yeah. Maybe with like different hair. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. But, Honkai Star Rail aside, I think our Astral Express has to go. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you, travelers, for coming down. I don't even know what to call this. A very dark, dark tunnel of Detore. The doctor is officially out. The doctor is no longer home. And honestly, you Thank didn't God. want him to be here anyway. But, <laughs> that being said... Please feel free to follow us on Instagram, Tales of Tabat Pod, or on Twitter, Tales of Tabat, to let us know what you think of this week's episode or what you'd like to see in the future. Additionally, as we mentioned at the start of the episode, our mailbox is open. We will be doing a mailbag episode in a few weeks, and we would love, love, love to have all your thoughts, theories, and questions. You can ask us anything from who our favorite characters are to why to what our favorite colors are. What do we do when we're not talking Genshin? We want to <laughs> answer all your questions and be upfront and honest with y'all and have a fun time so please let us know all your thoughts you can email us talesdevotpod at gmail.com next week we'll be talking about the one and only arataki ito and the arataki gang otherwise travelers safe journeys we'll see you next time bye whovian nerds bye